You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 277, Cradle of Filth. Hosted by Dan Terry. Wait, so you guys are not vampires. And Joseph Wren. It sounds like one of those scary stories you read in the dark anthology books. I don't know what the manticore is, but there's other horrors too. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you think a death metal concert is no time to cry, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. Well, well, well. Welcome back to Discography Discussion, the podcast where we listen to a band's entire discography in a week, and then, you know, we sit, we talk about it. You know, we, we discuss it. We discuss the metal that's therein, unless we're not talking about a metal band, which does happen sometimes. Fair warning. I'm excited this week. I wasn't excited going in. I admit we've spent a lot of time in our listening careers making fun of Cradle of Filth. Yeah, we, 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 we've torn into them a bit. Uh, and I think uh, the word of this episode is going to be context. I think we've said all the mean, annoying things that people tend to say about this band. I mean, even even Joe kind of did a bit of a double take when he was like, hey, did you mean to put Cradle of Filth on the, uh, on the long list? <laughs> and I was like, well, the people have spoken. They want us to hear what Danny and the rest of them have going on. And yeah, admittedly, I was like, oh God, Cradle of Filth. If you'd asked me five years ago when we started this podcast, if I was ever going to do an episode on Cradle of Filth, the answer would have been a hard no. I am not touching that with a 10-foot pole. But here we are, 277 episodes in, and it's time to get filthy. Five years of the podcast is exactly what we needed. We've spent so much time picking on this band. It was easy to do back in the day. They're the only band that looks like this that was put on the front page of all the guitar magazines. Everybody talked about Cradle of Filth and how extreme they were and how evil they were. And don't get me wrong, they are those things most of the time. Well, Danny Filth at least is. But now we've got the listening chops. We've always listened to extreme music. We've always looked for the heaviest thing we could find. But I feel like this podcast has prepared us to talk about this band effectively because all the tropes from back in the day and how terrible his voice sounds i feel like i have context now cradle of filth was not the best band but they're an easy band to get into if you're looking for something a little more extreme and still has some poppy tropes buried in it they're like an evil hymn i dig it yeah, I mean, the context is the word. Because, I mean, when I first heard Cradle of Filth, I mean, it not, was not that long after I heard my first Dark Throne record, right? <laughs> so, like, when you're comparing that apple to this rotten, putrid, moldy orange, <laughs> it's not hard for the little tiny elitist Dan and me to be all like, well, this isn't black metal. Why did they, why did they call it that? Sometimes it is. I mean, sure, I will say that Cradle of Filth contains elements of various types of extreme metal, up to and including gothic metal, a little bit of black metal, I'll give it to you, I guess, Uh, and, you know, elements of melodic death metal, elements of just, you know, straight up death metal, a little bit of thrash, a little bit of traditional heavy metal. I mean, there's a mix. Symphonic metal, I think, is is another good one to throw out. 
They are a mixture. They're a um, what do they what do they use the word? What's the word when we're talking about dogs? They're like a mutt of of ex, of extreme metal styles. So they never necessarily cater to one specific audience, and they more or less cater, as far as I can tell. Danny Filth just caters to himself. Wow. Uh, the, the, the kind of stuff that <laughs> the kind of stuff that that he enjoys talking about, and I'll, I'll use the word singing very lightly here. Uh, it's, it's more like just like a bird's gotten loose in your in, in your house, and, and they're just screeching and screeching as you grab it by the throat as it tries to escape you, and you jump on top of it. I mean, it sounds like you were throwing a, a, a box of caged birds down the stairs while they're shrieking the entire time. And uh, that's the kind of thing that I signed up for uh, on this podcast. <laughs> so I'm not going to fault Danny Filth for having maybe the most high-pitched screeching vocals I've ever heard. I think there are some people that are a little higher pitched and a lot more squawkier, but this guy has a very, very unique aspect to his voice and his delivery that seems almost independent of the music he's singing over. And again, I want to, I want to criticize it, but at the same time, once you get Cradle of Filth, it's a way more enjoyable experience than, than you would think. Iron Maiden mixed with the highest of pitched Chuck Schuldner vocals. And then the dude goes creepy goth and the band slows down. They start blasting and it becomes something otherworldly, something from the other side of the world where metal is still popular and it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be heavy. And that's what we sign up for every single week on this podcast. And before we tell you more about that, I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Podchaser. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the discography discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews, the Discord server, and sponsorships. Oh, where do I begin? Let's see. <laughs> uh, you guys you guys know what a podcast review is. If you like our podcast, leave us a review, however you're able to do so. Uh, very much appreciated. We will read that on the show. The Our Discord server is the place where you can talk to us directly. Uh, you have a question about something or you just want to hang out or you want to share memes or you just want to, you know, I don't know, LMFAO, man. Whatever it is you want to do, check out our Discord server. There'll be a link in the show notes that'll take you there. That is pretty much where we're at most of the time. Every now and again, you can get a hold of us on socials, but I'll be honest with you guys, I'm not checking that absolutely every single day. So make sure you sign up for that Discord server where we are always hanging out with each other as well as uh, listeners of the show. And if you want to support the podcast financially, go to patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks and two of those perks are actually brand new. One of them is sponsor an episode. The other one is skip the line to sponsor an episode. If you have a business or you just want to say that, you know what? This episode of discography discussion was presented by me. And we, we will phrase it that way. We'll let everybody know you're the reason this episode is happening. And we will thank you profusely for it. More information on that on the Patreon. The other one is skip the line. 
Skip the Line is an even more intense version of what I just described. Not only are you able to sponsor the episode of Discography Discussion, but you get to pick what band we talk about. Once a month, every month, we will draw from that list of bands that you selected personally and that you paid for, and we will talk about that band, and you will effectively skip the line. No more waiting two years for us to talk about Demi Borgir, Dark Throne, you name it. Whatever band you want us to talk about, even if it's a band we've already talked about and you want us to talk about it again, we may not change our opinion on said band, but we will absolutely talk about it again. Patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. You can get way more info than I just gave there in that little tidbit. Before we get started, I would love to read some feedback in reference to our elitism and gatekeeping and metal Discuss Metal Live that we just released. I think we just released the audio version uh, a little bit ago, and then obviously there's the live version on YouTube that you can watch anytime. Uh, I knew we weren't going to get through this one without getting some comments on it. Thankfully, they were all relatively encouraging. Over on Twitter, Ghost Stalker says, Metal is a genre with very high standards. Diehard fans want proficient players recorded with top quality production. You will always have elitism and gatekeepers in metal because of this. And uh, Ghost Stalker, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. And that's something that I wish we had kind of gone into a little bit more detail on whenever we were doing the episode is that, you know, the, the type of proficiency that playing metal requires is at such a high standard that it's really, really hard to not judge it for its technical proficiency. However, I think that a lot of the reasons we described in the episode were valid, too, because I don't necessarily know if everyone, myself included sometimes, I mean, just listen to this episode on Cradle of Filth we're about to do, uh, may not be the best person to judge somebody's technical playing ability. Uh, I know Joe, who is a musician himself, probably would be better at at judging the actual technical proficiency. I just know that if it sounds good to me, and a lot of the times... I'm referencing, you know, another band whenever I'm comparing somebody's technical ability more so than my own knowledge. Maybe I'm unique in that, but (laughs) uh, it is what it is. I just go with how I feel. Uh, Producer Sean commented, great discussion about elitism and metal. Well, thank you very much, Producer Sean. Uh, We enjoyed having that conversation for sure. And uh, over on YouTube, in reference to episode 271, American Head Charge, Andra AHC commented, what's the name of the song from 12 Seconds, please? We get this one a lot. Uh, it's our it's our intro th- song. It's our intro uh, music that we use on every episode since, I think, episode 100. And the song is called Foolish Evildoers by a band called Krig. Foolish Evildoers 2, my friend. That's right. There's actually an entire, uh, there's actually an entire anthology of, of Foolish Evildoers songs uh you've got foolish evildoers foolish evildoers 2 foolish evildoers 3 i think they're up to five now at this point and uh but i really like that instrumental and and from the very first moment i heard it way back in the day i was like i wish i could use this for something if only there was some way i could get permission to do so well apparently all i had to do is reach out to craig and be like hey can i use this song for a podcast that i'm doing and they're like absolutely so we have been if you, if, you, if you hadn't noticed, we, we've been using Craig's music uh, in a lot of our stuff. We use it on Discuss Metal Podcast. We use it on the Patreon sometimes. We use them for a lot of different things. And uh, if you guys haven't checked out Craig yet, make sure you do. 
because they are working on new music. They, they might actually have a new album out. If not, then we need to like jump on that on the Patreon reviews as soon as possible. But seriously, check out Krig. If you're into death metal, they are one of the best. Absolutely, dude. I can't tell everyone how good of a deal it is to go to Krig's Bandcamp and purchase their entire digital discography for almost nothing. Pennies. Go spend it right now. In fact, there's a link in the show notes. They are one of my favorite heavy, brutal, thrashy kind of bands. And it's fun to listen to a heavy band that's being extremely brutal that doesn't come from your own community. I think sometimes we get stuck on the bands that surround us on a daily basis. Just go listen to Crick. Underrated for sure. And we need to get those guys on an episode of Discuss Metal Live whenever possible. I'm working on it, man. (laughs) (laughs) That elitism and gatekeeping conversation was one of the most surprising conversations we've done so far. And I know Discuss Metal Live is something new for us. It's new for the listeners. It's something we're doing every single month. But I want to remind everyone that after Discuss Metal Live, there's a Patreon hangout where we get together with our discography discussion patrons. We play games. We talk about whatever they want to talk about. So if you want to get in on that hangout, if you want to get in on the conversation, once again, jump over to Patreon. There's links in the show notes. We have some sweet perks. And because there's always an and... You do not want to miss out on this month's Discuss Metal Live. I haven't even told Joe what it's about yet, but trust me, you guys are going to love it. I'll just, I'll let the cat out of the bag a little bit here. I've been watching a lot of documentaries on YouTube about the uh, early 90s response to satanic influenced heavy metal music, be that thrash metal, death metal, black metal. So we are going to go on a full on satanic panic conversation talking about how metal was perceived by the people around us as we were growing up, as we got into it, as well as what the response in various different nations were to this type of music. Be it satanic or not, it's all—it's a conversation about perception. You do not want to miss that conversation, and you definitely, if you want to get in on the discussion during the Hangout, uh, and talk to us directly about some of the stuff that we talked about, make sure to get on that Patreon and be part of that hangout afterwards. This is going to be even more controversial, I think, than uh, th- than even the elitism one was. So, Dan, tell me and the listener all about Cradle of Filth. Well, Cradle of Filth is probably one of the most popular extreme metal bands, a.k.a. guys that wear face paint, uh, you know, besides Kiss. Uh, that everybody knows and loves. Well, not everybody loves them. See, I call them an extreme metal band because as we discussed earlier, you know, this band plays a, a, a amalgamation of different metal styles, right? So, yes, there is some black metal in there, but where a lot of people get hung up is on whether the band is black metal enough. Uh, I'm going to spoil it for you. They don't care. Okay, Danny Filth seems to be the kind of guy that just, you know, listened to some black metal and was like, hey, this is pretty cool. And then also listened to, you know, some King Diamond and was like, hey, this is also really, really cool. And, uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff I want to do. I just want to do it loud and screechy and offensive and terrifying. And uh, but if you want to know facts about the band, I guess I can I I can I can shine some light on that. These guys are an English extreme metal band. They've been around since 1991. 
and they have put out some of the biggest, well, when I say biggest, I mean like sold the most copies of extreme metal albums ever. I mean, these guys, these guys were actually like for, for a hot minute, we're, we're like signed to Sony records. Like, can you imagine that right now? Like, like think about Danny Filt's voice, his bass voice, right? Maybe well, he doesn't really have a bass voice, uh, <laughs> but his, his very high pitched trebly voice. And think about that on like a major record label. We're going to get to that. There but, was uh, a time when Napalm Death and Cannibal Corpse were signed to major record labels. And that didn't seem so weird. But well, I wouldn't call Metal Blade a uh, a major record label, but they are to me. <laughs> I guess I guess your cult status de- determines whether or not they're majors or not. The thing the thing about Cradle of Filth is that you know we we've been talking about context th- this whole time, and I think that you have to listen to Cradle of Filth and not sit there and try to determine whether they are a cult black metal band. You have to listen to Cradle of Filth for what it actually is, which is basically like some crazy Ren Faire mixed with horror films, gothic literature, poetry, mythology sort of blend. Don't forget the carnival. And the carnival. But the thing is, is that once you understand that, suddenly Cradle of Filth makes sense. It's this strange amalgamation of all these extreme metal styles we've been talking about for the past five years. If anything, this band helps open the door to talking about King Diamond and Merciful Fate and those other thrash heavy metal guys that do the strange high-pitched voice that Dan doesn't like, unless Chuck Schuldner is doing it. Been talking about him a lot on this episode. Maybe there's we need absolutely to death. no comparison. There's no comparison. We've already revisited death. <laughs> We did it. We did the one with Travis, and we did the one with with, with uh, Christian Machado. Like, I mean, come on, man! Do you need a reason not to revisit Death a third time? I mean, I could talk about. Oh, okay. Here's what we do: we come back, we do Death with Travis Turner and Christian Machado. <laughs> anyway, let's get into it. It's 1994. The principle of evil made flesh. Oh my goodness, what a record. This is the record that I think the black metal fans like the most. Absolutely. It's the most underground sounding. I like how the synthesizers have that 90s, extremely artificial MIDI sound. I think that's one of the things I latch onto with Cradle of Filth. The synths don't sound like modern synths ever. So the band has this thin, extreme, symphonic throat scratchy sound in 1994 that fit right in but you mentioned context we've talked about a lot of bands that play similar styles but nothing like this i think the only things that i can compare to this would be like sabotage and iron maiden to a lesser extent in every way musical except the vocals well i mean in my in my opinion Obviously, like they they were listening to some black metal, right? Like like when they made this, and I, I do hear those influences, Joe. I do. I hear a little bit of that classic heavy metal sound that the band is more or less going to retain throughout their career, despite the the revolving tour of people that are in this band. Uh, Dan, let's just put it this way: I'm just going to get it out of the way on this first album. Danny Filth is the band. Like I know he's just the singer. But, like, the dude comes up with all the crazy concepts, has all the big ideas, all the big orchestrations. 
Uh, the band is it, it's it's this it's this one guy's vision, and normally that's not a good thing. I think this right this this discography might change our minds, but okay. So I like this record as an extreme metal record. There are definitely some things in it though that will get to me. Like you've got Danny Filt's high pitch raspy vocal. Which this actually sounds more akin to black metal than what he starts doing a few records later. He's still he's high pitched, but he's he sounds more like I don't know more raspy, more more culty, more raw. And honestly, that he could have just been doing what he's always been doing on this record, but maybe they just didn't have the production value uh, to make it not sound super raw. But I think that's to this record's benefit. If they were going for a black metal sound on this record, they definitely pulled it off. Um, but there are things that I can only describe as uh, cradle of filth sounds that go on on this record where, you know, you'll get to like a, a sort of like beautiful, like keyboard driven, like melodic piece. And then a guy comes in and starts talking like this and, and reciting verse after verse of lines about probably a scary story to tell in the dark. She and, rides. Um, oh, wait, sorry. Wrong discography. But it's like it's like a whole lot of fun. And what I like about Cradle of Filth is that, first of all, I apologize to Danny Filth right off the bat if he is like really serious about all of this stuff. But I don't get the impression that that's what it is. This is fun. Like, is it stupid? Is it kind of Ren Fairy? Yeah. But it, it's fun how evil the band is trying to sound here. And so they're trying to use as many evil sounds as they can. So like, what's evil? Gothic synthesizers. It's like uh, it's like the soundtrack to a Hammer horror film. It has that unbalanced quality that underground black metal albums would have in the 90s. But it doesn't sound intentionally bad. It sounds like the band went into the same recording studio that did every thrash band or every extreme punk band that year. And they laid down some tracks. Danny did his vocals. And that's the record. There are pieces of this that sound like old school dream theater with Danny Filth doing the vocals. But then the band just stays extreme. I don't know that this is the most black metal album, but it sounds the most black metal in that it has an underproduced sound with overproduced sounding vocals yeah and i'm gonna chalk that up to just being the first record right it's 94 yeah i mean like i feel like it sounds like a debut record but it is effective in the sense that it basically writes the script for what we can expect out of cradle of filth going forward like they they are gonna they are gonna add some different elements into their sound but for the most part they're going to be delivering this product only in their opinion better uh you know every single time so I do like the focus more on extreme metal on this record, but I don't think that that would have been enough to carry the band throughout their career. Have you played Quake lately, Dan? Yes, I play Quake at least once a month. So you're getting your monthly fix of classic first-person shooters? I mean, I'd say that's, that's pretty accurate. Can I interest you in a semi-modern alternative? Uh, I guess. Have you played Dusk? lately yeah yeah i played dusk oh i see what you did there okay (laughs) 
I was like, why are we talking about this? Are we on the are we on the wrong podcast? Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah, let's 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 jump into that. This one's got a little bit of an interesting uh story to it. Dusk and her embrace, 1996. So this is kind of a weird one because uh well they're all weird. Every cradle of filth album is weird. But this album was partially written or mostly complete when the band was still signed to their record label Cacophonous Records. Uh, it was not their record label. It's just the record label they were signed to. And Cacophonous put out a lot of classic black metal. Uh, I think as far as what we've covered on the show, uh, they did put out Ann Testor's Return of the Black Death album, uh, which was uh, kind of a kind of a weird footnote in their history. But yeah, so the band like basically recorded it as their second album, but they ended up having legal problems with the label. And so they basically like, as far as I understand it, like one lineup recorded the album. And then once they got their legal troubles all figured out, Danny Filth and a new lineup came along and recorded this, (laughs) like what we're hearing now. And that was in that was released by Music for Nations. So it's kind of kind of a lot of this weird sort of uh, record label drama that thankfully doesn't really follow the band uh, that long. But it is it is really interesting because I have not heard uh, I have not heard the original version of this, but I am I'm going to guess that it probably sounds more like the first album. Because this is Danny Filth with a new band, and it shows. Overall, I'm getting that same vibe, and it's the mix of extreme styles that we've built up to talking about other extreme bands on this podcast. This record goes from symphonic and atmospheric and slow to onslaught, heavy metal, black metal vocals. Then they take a break and play some random progressive piece. Not for very long. But long enough to remind you that the people making this music are thrashing the shit out of the stage and playing together, so you have to pay attention to it. The more I listen to this band, the more I hear the good in it. And I know that we've picked on the vocals for years, not just on this podcast, but I really enjoyed this record. This is almost the perfect example of what to show someone who has no concept of black metal, but is interested in something a little more extreme. I think that you're right. I think a lot of people probably got into black metal uh, through Cradle of Filth than those same people are willing to admit today. Uh, but, you know, much like the much like the, the cars in The Walking Dead, somehow... They keep these thing. They keep this thing clean. This sounds night and day better, and it could be because I'm listening to it in 2022, and I'm sure it's probably had a remaster or something at some point. But uh, it sounds good. It sounds clean. It sounds punchy, and that is not usual for bands that are playing this style because the band's intensity is actually ramped up quite a bit, in my opinion, just with the cleaner production. The songs are faster, they're heavier, there's more um, random spurts of aggression, and Danny's voice is somehow three octaves higher than it was on the last record. And um, I, I, I really found this one enjoyable, and I don't want to say it was like my favorite, but I still do like this a little bit more brutal Cradle of Filth or more extreme Cradle of Filth. 
when the gothic elements and the symphonic elements have not taken over the metal elements. I agree. There's something to the extreme aspects of this band that make those elements work. The old question, should there be keyboards and metal? The answer is yes, because if that guy can shred, you've got another player. If that guy can lay down an atmosphere, even better, because now it feels dark. It feels like winter. It's that black metal vibe we keep talking about, and it doesn't go away. It's a very interesting balance of other extreme styles. I don't want to call it mainstream black metal, but it no, it's feels okay. That's, that that way. is what it is. <laughs> that it, I'll, I'll, I'll refer back to our gatekeeping and elitism episode of Discuss Metal Live. It is 100% black metal for, for kids that shop at Hot Topic. And the, the, the big twist here is like, that's okay. Like, it's okay to listen to music that, you know, for lack of a better way to describe it, sounds good. Like, like that, there, that there was some effort put into it. But in this case, you get the best of both worlds because you get the extremity of underground extreme metal, but it sounds wonderful. It sounds, it sounds good in your speakers. And yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of all the keyboards and the operatic female vocals and, you know, all of that stuff. It's not always my favorite to listen to. But I like all of the sort of weird topics and subject matter of Cradle of Filth. I think they're still kind of in their juvenile phase a little bit uh, here. Just basically like this is the record where they like sort of start getting a little vampire-y, <laughs> you know, and um, they're, they're, they're a little too obsessed, I think, with the idea of like, well, what sounds evil? What sounds dark? You know, uh, and they, they, they sort of they sort of go with that. And I think it works really well here, but I have to admit, I do enjoy the band a little bit more when they when they start sort of telling stories with their music and following a central theme. Uh, but I mean, from a shred perspective, I think the riffing is great on this record. Um, I think the melodic elements are really good and play off of each other really well. A lot of bands that try to sound like Cradle of Filth just end up sounding like a mess of keyboards and operatic female vocals and extreme metal, and it's all going at the same time, and it just sounds like a mess. Cradle of Filth is one of the few bands that's able to pull off that style without it sounding like the uh, that the record is too full of, of different things going on at the same time. They're able to sort of weave and blend things together, uh, even as early as this in their career, and... Uh, yeah, I thought this record was killer. 1998, Cruelty and the Beast. Tale as old as time. Wait, sorry. Okay, so what happened here? Uh, so the last record sounded like really good. <laughs> this record sounds like hot garbage. Like all that, all that nice stuff I said about how like they're not just like blending a whole bunch of stuff together and it just sounding like a whole bunch of noise going on. This album starts with noise. Well, but okay, from a... Okay, from a from a, a guy that listened to these records in 2022, the last one sounded leaps and bounds better than this. This has a horrible, horrible mix to it. Everything sounds sounds dim and muddy, and 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 like you can barely hear the female vocals at all. And uh, so I actually ended up reading up on this because like, I remember like typing to Google like what happened with Cruelty and the Beast, right? Uh, because the like I said, the last record sounded so good. Granted, they did get two tries to record the last one. Um, this one though, 
I had to do a little bit of digging, and I found out that basically, like, they released the record, you know, back in back in 1998, and pretty much from from minute one, the band members were like, "This sounds absolutely terrible." Um, the drumming, the drums, like, are there even drums on this record? Like, I hear sticks hitting, but like, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't sound good. I would almost accuse the drums of being like intentionally lo-fi black metal and with any other band that sounds like this i would be like okay this must have been an intentional choice to try to go back to that raw sound or whatever but no as early as 1998 band members were complaining about how horrible uh it sounded and you know the the you barely hear the drums you can hear danny's vocals okay because that guy can cut through literally anything uh but yeah other than that this thing just sounds like it was recorded very amateurish uh but you don't have to suffer through what i suffered through see when i'm doing these discography listen throughs so i i'm like okay the next record it's called cruelty and the beast let's go and i pop it on right what i should have done is i should have listened to cruelty and the beast remistressed because that is a 2018 uh, that is a 2018 basically redo of, of the album. It's not re-recorded. They absolutely went in and remixed this thing and made it sound like a good Cradle of Filth record. First impression, this is an album of demos that were produced by the guitarist, Danny Filth, and a drum machine. And the record label got pissed off and said, you know what, we're not doing the Savior Machine crap again. We're going to release this. This is going to be the album. And accidentally, I found the remistressed version of this record, and it's a lot better. It's not as good from a production mix standpoint as Dusk or The Principle of Evil, but I don't know if that's nostalgia for the previous albums and how they sound or if this one just doesn't have the same feel as those early records. There's something to those early records that sounds like the 90s and how extreme metal records were being produced. This record sounds like a better version of what I started listening to this week. At the end of the day, the songs are fine. Not as good as the previous. It feels a little bit happier, and I know that's a stretch when you're talking about Cradle of Filth, the vibe just isn't there for me on this one. I don't think it's a terrible record, though. But as a fan, if this was the third album, and we're talking 1998 with that terrible mix, ugh, no amount of cassette hiss is going to make that sound okay. Well, so I've been really harsh about it, but I, I have to admit, in 1998, as a fan of Cradle of Filth or this type of music, I, at that time, I doubt the fans really cared that much. They were just happy that it was that it was extreme, that it was in your face, you know, and they, if you, they, I mean, you got to think that you only have three albums in your hands right now. One that objectively sounds like this already. And then another like much cleaner produced one. Hardcore metal fans are going to go for, are going to go for the underproduced one. Uh, so I think that, I think that's part of the reason 1998, why you're right. Yeah. I think, I think they're going to be like, no, this is cool. This is raw. They went, they went back to their roots, man. Uh, but they didn't. There's actually some really cool cradle of filth stuff going on on this record. Uh, number one, the record is 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 loosely a uh, concept album that is based around the Hungarian blood countess Elizabeth, Elizabeth Bathory. Yeah, that's right, Bathory's not just a band. It's uh, it's a uh, it's you, you should look it up. It's cool. Uh, it was, uh, it was a, a countess that lived um, a long time ago. I'm really butchering this story, but 
she lived, you know, a really long time ago and was rumored to, uh, you know, drink the blood of young maidens or bathe herself in the blood of young maidens in order to keep herself young and beautiful. Uh, as Joe said earlier, it's a tale as old as time. Did it work? Yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. You know, Ghost actually did a song called Bathory as well. And uh, I got to I gotta give him credit. Uh, Cradle of Filth did it better. Um, there's a lot of, like, sort of, like, fun spoken word where they, they hired an actual actress uh, for the role of, uh, of uh, Elizabeth Bathory. And... Um, yeah, it's actually uh, Ingrid Pitt who actually played Elizabeth Bathory in the uh, Hammer horror film Countess Dracula. So uh, I was onto something with that Deep Hammer horror cuts. thing. Wow. Yeah. yeah, they like really. I mean, I thought and that's what was going to show up there for a second, but after that story, he can stay right where he is. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they really, and this is this kind of goes to show like sort of Danny Filth's like, I have a vision, and I will not accept anything other than that vision. I mean, I'll, I'll allow the, the record to be mixed like shit, but I will be totally fine uh, with <laughs> with with my vision. I mean, I, I also get it kind of like as a singer, like you're so proud of the thing that you just made happen. And then everybody else in the band is like, oh, this is terrible. We need to postpone this. This is da 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 you know. Um, and as a singer, you're like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about because I'm a singer and I lack the attention to detail that the rest of the band uh, might actually possess. But uh, also, you will never get me to admit to saying that, no matter how many times you play that song clip back. And as a singer, you're like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about, because I'm a singer and I lack the attention to detail that the rest of the band uh, might actually possess. I lack the attention to detail. I'd be like, I was talking about Cradle of Filth specifically. <laughs> but uh, no, I think this is a really cool record, and I, I like the narrative structure. I think that I, I think the... I think concept albums lend themselves really well to Cradle of Filth sound. Um, again, I, I don't know if this one's as aggressive as the last one, which I think is kind of what, what Joe was getting at, that it was a little bit less uh, just go for the throat extreme metal. But, you know, they had a story to tell. They had, they had a narrative to get through. And um, I think that the overall product was really great, uh, as long as you're listening to the uh, remistressed version of it. 2000 Midian. Oh, Midian, what a record. This is the point I remember Cradle of Filth being at back in the day when we started to see this band show up in the sticker machine. And I remember liking it. I enjoyed how the heavy metal side of the equation had that Merciful Fate, King Diamond vibe mixed with a little bit darker Dream Theater vibe on the keyboards. Could not get past the voice. It just did not work for me back in the day. But as I've said multiple times, we've been doing this podcast for five years. We've been listening to extreme metal a lot longer than we've been doing this podcast. I feel like I get it now. And it's not that foreign to me, even in the year 2000. If it's guilty of one thing, it's guilty of not being new metal that year. Wow. Uh, you know, <laughs> two words. Cthulhu Dawn. Okay. Uh, Might be the definitive Cradle of Filth song. It for me. is. It is one of the yeah one of one of the essential songs that you need if you're gonna making a Cradle of Filth playlist in 2022 for some reason. Uh, Mixtape. Yeah, you, you definitely want to put Cthulhu Dawn on there, and um, it's got everything Cradle of Filth is known for now on that song t from 22 years ago. Feel old yet? 
Uh, this is another concept album. It is inspired by Clive Barker's Cabal, if you've ever read that. And um, did you ever see the... Okay, Joe, maybe you haven't read Cabal, but have you seen Nightbreed? You are correct. I have not read it, and you are correct. I have seen it. That's right. So, um, yeah, Cabal is really, really... Um, I've never read the book. I have seen Nightbreed. Everybody's everybody's seen Nightbreed, I think. Um, so, you know the character Lylesburg in Nightbreed? Okay, maybe you don't. Uh, but do you know... Um, do, do you know Pinhead? Absolutely, I know Pinhead. I'm old school Pinhead fan when he was the lead Cenobite. Cradle of Filth uh, contacts Doug Bradley, you know. Pinhead. Pinhead, right? Yeah. Pinhead is narrating on a Cradle of Filth album. I can't think of a better choice for that. Maybe King Diamond, but why would you call King Diamond when you have Pinhead? <laughs> this is uh, Lord of Abortion's really cool, too. That's, just that, that's, just, that's just a fact right there. They're just trying to, they're just trying to piss people off. You should, you should see. <laughs> Google Cradle of Filth's most famous t-shirt. I mean, I'd tell you what it says, but Joe's just going to bleep it out. So, uh, He's not wrong. Yeah, he, he, he absolutely will. I think this is the first like Cradle of Filth album as we know them today. Heavy on concept, heavy on theme, heavy on atmosphere, heavy in, you know, metal sense. Uh, there's so much piano, so much orchestration, although they will get a little more out of control uh, with the orchestration later on. But uh, here it is the most modern sounding version of the band. And if you're a fan of the band now, but you're not a big fan of like raw black metal, then this is like where you want to start with Cradle of Filth. I can't count how many times Jeff talks about extreme metal hey, being popular in other countries like pop music is popular here. Having heard this album with 2022 ears, I do think you can draw a line from this to what Avatar would eventually do. I think it makes sense that those come from the same source of the macabre mixed with extreme metal and these harsh mid-scooped tones. And then the band is playing what really isn't extreme, but the vocals just take it somewhere else, somewhere that's not good to most Western listeners. But if metal is what is popular where you live, I don't think you see anything wrong with this. This seems normal. The gothic elements just tie it all together. It's a really good record. It's one of the most entertaining listens in this style, maybe because it's so balanced. This was definitely the point. It was somewhere in the middle of Cthulhu Dawn that I that I kind of sat up from my chair and was like, do I do I like Cradle of Filth? Do I look like a man that likes Cradle of Filth? I can't do the voice tonight. Ignore me. It was just so strange because I've spent most of my life thinking that I didn't like this band. And that's kind of the best part about us doing this podcast is sometimes I'll I'll finally see what everyone else sees. See when you when you force yourself to listen to all of it, it's either Stockholm syndrome, like you get to the end and you're like, well, I'm now I'm just used to this. Uh, but no, this is where I was like, no, this band actually is kind of special. They're unique. They sound like themselves. They don't sound like anyone else. And there's something really captivating about a guy that has a vision for what his band is going to sound like and constantly one-ups what he did the last time. And so, yeah, I think this record absolutely crushes. And uh, it, might, it might be my favorite one. 2003, Damnation and a Day. 
Damnation in a Day was the band's major label debut on uh, Epic Records in the U.S., Sony Records in, in Europe. And uh, this is absolutely on a different level than everything that they've ever done before. First of all, it features the 101-piece Budapest Film Orchestra. So this is no longer like Danny Filth, like pressing random keyboard keys and being like, yeah, no, I think this is it, guys. Uh, this was a fully orchestrated affair. And what's even more interested about it is it's, first of all, it's very metal, has a lot of uh, operatic vocals. This is kind of where they drop the black metal stuff, though. So, you know, they, you, you've got, a, you've got a, a, a long sort of complicated uh, narrative on the record, which is mostly about Paradise Lost. Not the band. That's another great uh, English band. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about them probably next year. But the thing is, is that I love all of the ideas on this album. But at the end of the day, this is still discography discussion, and I'm Dan Terry, and I cannot abide by a 17-track, one-hour and 17-minute uh, album. Uh, I like the ideas. I do think that extreme metal fans absolutely have a little bit of a, a good argument here that the band definitely sort of toned down their extremity. I mean, except for Danny Filth. That dude is still just, I mean, completely out of control vocally. Like, no, really. Like, we haven't talked about it yet, but it's going to get worse. Danny Filth sometimes likes to scream so fast and erratic that he's, like, out of time with everything else. And, like, we instead of just saying it's bad and moving on, we just call it the Danny Filth sound. I, I don't really know. Uh, I don't know how he got a free pass on that one, but everybody that I've talked to and even on all the, like, internet crawling I usually do about these albums, uh, I've found that most people have given him a free pass. But this record, they definitely sound the most put together that they've ever sounded. But in doing that, they did the thing that bands do and signed to a major record label and put out what is probably sonically their best sounding record, but it's over bloated and it's also dumbed down in the extremity department. Did they ever play this album live with the orchestra? I do not know the answer to that, but if they did, then it gets two more points. I feel like that would be an interesting experience. Having sat down recently and rewatched the original Metallica and the San Francisco Symphony, they went back to revisit that for the 20-year anniversary a couple years ago. That is a good sound. Playing something that is, at its core, melodic, but it's still heavy metal and mixing a good symphonic score over the top of it, it expands the orchestration in a way that I don't think most heavy metal musicians will think you can take the melody somewhere else. To hear Cradle of Filth, what is a mainstream black metal sound mixed with a symphony and multiple operatic sopranos, that's something to be seen. And I really wonder if the band ever did that because that's the DVD I want. That's the show I want to go back and see because in my mind, it would be like seeing Between the Buried and Me in Nashville playing Colors in its entirety, but there's a 150-piece orchestra behind them. How cool would that be? It'd be pretty cool. I mean, unless you're like a really hardcore black metal fan, which by... <laughs> By at this this point, is not black metal. If you're all the way to this point in Cradle of Filth's discography and you like it, 
Be honest with yourself. You're not as cult as you think you are. Uh, but that's totally fine. Uh, like I said, I think the record sounds good, but I think maybe the overbloatedness of it sort of sort of outshines the the more fun elements of the band. I don't know. I'm criticizing a record that sounds good, that plays good. Most people are going to enjoy it. But for whatever reason, I kind of like the more unhinged Cradle of Filth. And I feel like maybe that's a little bit more in the past. Or is it? I don't like this record as much as I liked Midian, but it's still a good album. It's an interesting series of ideas. At the end of the day, it works, but it does sound like flat production mixed with very atmospheric orchestral elements. Like they put reverb in the wrong places or didn't use it enough to mix the black metal with the orchestration. Well, the good news is, is there's no black metal. Not on this record. But it's fine. I, I love how I started the episode off with like, if you compare to black metal, you're going to have a bad time. And then I proceed to compare every single record. Like, like I've got like a scale. Is this black metal enough? Um, no, I mean, you can sort of kiss it goodbye. I mean, the band will, spoilers, sort of incorporate some black metal elements into some of their later stuff. But for the most part, the, the black metal cradle of filth that may or may not have ever actually existed is gone uh, on this record. 2004, Nymphetamine. Talk about high expectations. It is worth noting that the band moved to Roadrunner uh, after this. I don't know what happened with Epic Records, but maybe. Hindsight, Roadrunner is the place to be, I think, for this band in 2004. I think so, too. This is also where the band was starting to get a little bit more um, exposure, at least to like, because in 2004, what's going on right now? You've got your you've got your kill switch engage. You've got your Azalea dying. You've got unearth. You've got you, you're you're starting you're going through what people refer to now as the new wave of American heavy metal. But I remember like getting samplers where it'd be all like unearth. It'd be like unearth Lamb of God kill switch engage cradle of filth. So they started sort of sort of pushing cradle of filth towards that crowd. They're like you know what. I know new metal's not around anymore, but you know what? There, there's still some goth kids out there, and we're gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna find them. <laughs> okay, we are going and, to and indoctrinate them with metalcore. Yeah, they're gonna like metalcore, but we've also got Cradle of Filth in case they need keyboards. If they just need keyboards and operatic vocals, then then Cradle of Filth is gonna give them that. So that what you have with nymphetamine, nymphetamine, nymphetamine. Nymphetamine. Let's just go with that take. <clears throat> what you have with nymphetamine is, is sort of still that more like mainstream. And when I say mainstream, like obviously you have to be a certain kind of person to appreciate number one, Danny Filth's voice. And two, you have to be able to appreciate all of the gothic drama that's on display. But I think if you're like listening to bands like him and it's not quite gothic enough and you're, you want that like that real goth stuff, right? Real or, gothic or, shit. Yeah, yeah, way, or, yeah. However, however, Mike would say it. Um, you, you've got you want that gothic atmosphere, but like, if you'd never really like heard a gothic metal album before in your life, and you're checking this out as like a first go, you're gonna be in it for life because this is everything that you want, even if you've never heard anything like this. And that doesn't include like really credible black metal elements. Real, you know, it, it's more of 
Yeah, we have extreme vocals, but it's like you guys already listen on Earth, right? So like you're used to extreme vocals. And then people are like, I don't know, man, this guy does not sound like those type of vocalists. Um, I could see Cradle of Filth being a really easy sell to that crowd. And they were. So I think this record is like more, I don't want to use the word singles. I mean, there were two singles released off of it, uh, Nymphamphetamine as well as Devil Woman. But like, this is a little bit more focused. This isn't done with a 101 piece orchestra. And it's a little bit more focused with like specific different themes on each song. Every song is about something different, which is how most bands are, but Cradle of Filth usually isn't that way. So it's kind of notable that they're doing sort of the normal band thing. And they talk about like a variety of controversial topics. There's even a song about like a terrorist because, you know, this wasn't that long after September 11th. So they were still trying to appeal to a lot of people here. I don't hold it against them because I think that despite this record still being a staggering 75 minutes long, it is a more focused effort with a lot less bloat. Is Cradle of Filth the torchbearer for a scene that didn't exist prior to 2005? This combination of heavy metal mixed with black metal, melodic, gothic sounding metal. I feel like we saw all of these things happen with bands like Him and Turbo Negro and all the bands that Bam Margera would talk about on his many shows. Cradle of Filth was here the whole time and they had this mainstream mix of underground metal ideas. And in hindsight, we didn't have the point of reference to say how cool this really is. But what we have now is all of that perspective. We can look back and find all those sources and say, Cradle of Filth really had an interesting presentation. They weren't afraid to play fast and then stop and play just straight melody and then thrash for the next two minutes straight. Everything about this record works. It's an interesting vibe to go from that gothic melodic sound to straight black metal blast. And I can't point to another band and say they got that from Cradle of Filth. Cradle of Filth has this perfect marriage of these different ideas that it really does just sound like this band. I think they sort of exist outside of a scene. For a band that is as popular as this band is, there's usually imitators, and if there are imitators, they never got anywhere because people were just like, yeah, you just sound like you just sound like Cradle of Filth, or you're trying to sound like Cradle of Filth, and we don't care about you. Um, they, they exist sort of outside of normal music trends, even though they do things that are maybe a little bit more digestible for a mainstream audience, which is what I think this record is, uh, and the next one to a certain degree. Um, but I'm kind of okay with it because all of the decisions still sound like they're coming from the band. A lot of the time when a band's this popular, you have record labels that are just like, well, you need to do this. Nobody's going to check you out if you don't do this. So if, you know, And if that is going on, I can't really detect it with this band. I think this is the Danny Filth show. And he's taking advantage of all of the money that people are giving him to just go out and continue to be Cradle of Filth. 2006. Thornography. Ah, the Hard Rock album. The Hard Rock album that came out in 2006 at a time when Hard Rock albums were not what anybody was looking for except for me. 
and other people that like load and reload in the mid 90s. Well, it doesn't sound like that. It's not that big of a departure. It's kind of uh, weird, though. <laughs> no, and, and I call it a hard rock album in jest because it is a little bit more focused on sort of the band's more classical elements. You know, we've been sort of talking about King Diamond and and uh, Merciful Fate, which are basically the same band. Don't at me. I know they're not the same band, but they're it's, it's all King Diamond. Watch out, Dan. The uh, Family Ghost is going to come and get you. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, if it could help me clean my basement, that'd be great. Abigail's been here for years and years. Yeah, well, keep sweeping the floor, Abigail. You're doing a great job. Thanks, Dan. So on to thornography discussion. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't love this record. <laughs> um, the band's doing like this weird sort. Of, like Danny Filth is actually doing some sort of like semi-clean vocal. Like it's not. Like the guy's not. I don't know if. I don't know if the guy can really provide like actual clean vocals or not, um, unless you consider his high pitched screaming, his his clean vocals, which are now so high pitched that like there's not even any grit to it anymore. Do you hear him trying to do the low growl? I mean, he can do the low growl. I mean, I've seen him do it live. He's really good at it. But that's not his. That's not his. Not his like favorite thing to do. Um, the only the only thing vocally I don't like about Danny Filth is when he's doing this like weird talking singing thing, you know, and like my throat still hurts too much to like try to do it. But uh, I'll tell you what, this one probably sounds the cheesiest because of how outdated some of the elements are. But I will give it credit for having like actual guitar solos because this band isn't exactly known for their like complicated lead work. So I appreciate the sort of the focus on like hard rock slash melodic metal. I can appreciate it. I like one or two songs, but for the most part, this record did not do it for me. I, I like the extreme Cradle of Filth. If Cradle of Filth could sound like a laid back band, this is the closest thing you're going to get to that, especially in the mid 2000s. I don't think the songs are bad, but the vibe, it's more laid back than extreme. It sounds like a band that has put out the same extreme tendency album seven or eight times. And this is the best they could come up with with the current iteration of the band. And the producer didn't push them to be that extreme band. So the elements are still there. You can still hear where the band is coming from. Without a better way to say it, this just isn't as good as the other albums. I don't hate it, but I'm not reaching for Thornography over Midian anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, there's no comparison, really. I have been waiting to say this one all week. 2008. Godspeed on the Devil's Thunder. I'll tell you what, my friend. When you get Andy Sneap involved, you get a heavier Cradle of Filth album. I would like to request Andy Sneap uh, to produce this new album by Cradle of Filth. Can I get that? Approved. And scene. For the diehard fan who expects every Cradle of Filth album to start off with a synthesizer and some melodic orchestral things, maybe some operatic background hums and a little bit of ah this and ah that. You're going to get that again. It's going to throw you off. Then Cradle of Filth is going to start blasting. And the vibe for me sounds like a modern heavy metal band in 2008. I hear the same tricks, the same tones that you would hear on 
your favorite Killswitch Engage album, but it's Cradle of Filth. It's Danny Filth's vocals, and they are a defining characteristic for this band. The only other quality that could challenge that as the main sound of Cradle of Filth is the gothic keyboards. And even those are thickened up a bit on this one. I don't know that this is the best Cradle of Filth album to date, but it is the right kind of change for a band that is so rooted in extreme metal vibes. It certainly is the heaviest up to this point. I'm not necessarily saying that that is directly Andy Sneap's influence, but what I am saying is it was it was Andy Sneap. He, he mixed them like a modern metal band. And it sounded really good. I mean, to the band's credit, they did write these songs, and they, they did obviously decide to move in a heavier direction after the sort of more the lighter previous record. But yeah, I mean, this is good. This is like, this has everything that you like from Cradle of Filth. It's got keyboards, female vocals. It's a concept record. The concept on this one uh, I was not familiar with prior to the album, but it's about the life of the 15th century French baron Gilles de Raz. If I'm pronouncing that the right way, I'm probably not, but uh, thankfully he's not going to send me an email about it because he died a very long time ago, uh, so I don't have to worry about it this time. I'll watch. I'll get an email. It's like, yeah, actually, I, did, I didn't I did die. If you paid attention to the concept, you'd know why. Uh, but the thing is... Yeah, I'm 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 all about this. I like it because yeah, it's e- it's going to be easy for us to say and we probably will eventually on this rec- on this episode start saying like, "Yep, it's if you like Cradle of Filth, you're going to like this album." But this is kind of like yes, we included everything you like about the band and it's a little bit heavier for you extreme metal fans. Um so you know, go with it. Go buy it. Go enjoy it. You know. And this is this is the point I feel like in the band's creativity where I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to be misinterpreted here when I say this, but this is where the band is starting to put out the product that they are known to put out. Now that isn't the same thing as saying that they're just doing the same thing over and over and over again because they're not. Just because this sounds like Cradle of Filth doesn't mean that it's any less creative, and it's any less fun than what the band would normally give you. However, they have sort of found that vision through experimentation that they're going to stick with for a while. 2010. Darkly, darkly, Venus Versa. Why, hello there. Excuse me Wait. while I tune this harpsichord and summon the spirit of Mozart. Uh, I don't remember the spirit of Mozart having a pitchfork and a pointy tail. Oh, don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> Sorry. I, I don't usually laugh at Joe's jokes, but I, I, I had to this time. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a dad. It's I can't I can't help that it's genuinely funny. Um, man, I'll tell you what. This thing is off the rails. Like from a heaviness standpoint, I didn't think that they were gonna go heavier. I kind of thought like usually when bands like get this popular, they they sort of bounce back between like the more mainstream sound, but then they throw in like a little bit of extra heaviness just for the band. No, this is this is actually like them really kind of kind of pulling out the teeth and going going for the throat and sort of like recapturing what made them so popular, you know, in in underground metal. This is too well produced to be underground metal. <laughs> but uh, you know, it sounds very it sounds very very good. 
Everything I said about the previous album and how great it was and how far of a step forward it was for the band in the mid-2000s, I want to say it again about this record because this sounds like the original band recorded new songs with better production, but the 1994 decisions are finding their way into the modern Cradle of Filth. We keep one-upping ourselves by sticking to this extreme metal influence but still delivering melody, dissonance, dark, gothic-sounding, heavy metal. I get to start saying it now. It's a really good album by Cradle of Filth. Go buy it. No, it really is, and it's the uh, it's it's the infamous Lilith album. I wouldn't say infamous, but everything this band does is infamous to someone. Uh, you know, Lilith was it was sort of the co- a concept that Danny Filth has sort of thrown around. Uh, a bit in the past and he finally he finally got to it he finally got to do the full length concept album about Lilith and um, I'm not going to explain all of it in here but like basically Lilith being the first wife of Adam you know before Eve you know doesn't actually say that anywhere in any like actual like any bible you would find now but uh, there's a lot on Lilith if you go down the uh, internet rabbit hole Maybe don't start with Google image search though. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, dude, this is just this is just blasting. It's in your face. It's a little bit black metal, but it's mostly de- it's mostly like death metal, like bol- melodic death metal. Um, and and I'm here for it, man. Um, Danny's vocals actually sound really good on this record. There's a lot more like blending of like higher and low, because you know the 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 trope of Cradle of Filth is keyboard playing while while a grown man shrieks at the top of his lungs on top of it. Um, and there is still some of that, but I don't know. Here he sounds really extreme in a very professional way. And he's going to keep sounding like this. They, they really do just get better and better. This is very enjoyable, even if it is superficially very similar to the last album. All right, Dan, it's time. You want to say it? 2012. I'm almost there. The Manticore and other horrors. First of all, really cool name for a record. It sounds like one of those scary stories you read in the dark anthology books. Like, I'm going to tell you this really scary story about the Manticore. I don't know what the Manticore is, but there's other horrors too. Yeah, see, I kind of thought it was just like the D&D Creatures Guide. Because it, it goes through, I mean, all of these all of these different things. You know, you've got uh, demons, chimeras... Uh, you know, obviously the, the, the Manticore, a little bit of, a little bit of vampire, you know, there, there's all, all that good, scary cradle of filth stuff. It might sound like a jerk move to say I liked this one a lot because it was only 51 minutes. Cause man, these cradle of filth records typically try to fill up as much space on the CD as they can. Unfortunately, all I really have to say is that this record absolutely does, does nothing new. To quote Kerrang directly, there's nothing here the Cradle of Filth haven't done uh, much better elsewhere. Although, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with this record, so I wouldn't necessarily make the much better argument. But I will say that if you like Cradle of Filth and you want to hear him talk about some new ghastly things, uh, this is the record for it. And um, it's, you know, to, to quote Joe directly, it's the new Cradle of Filth record in 2012. This is the point in the discography where they find their flow. For better or for worse, this band, having a core style in mind, still pushed some of their own boundaries. That's where you get more symphonic 
focusing albums. That's where you get more of the blast. That's where you get the modern metal sounds. So when you start to mix all of this together, eventually you're going to land on what is Cradle of Filth in 2012. And I think that is the same band that you got in 2008. And that's okay. Because at the end of the day, the songs are still heavy. They still sound good. If anything, Cradle of Filth is getting better from a production standpoint. I think it's interesting how much everyone else is starting to sound like Cradle of Filth once you change the way Cradle of Filth sounds cosmetically. So I'd say that that it's the last one that necessarily has that specific sound. I mean, we're saying that these records all sound the same. They don't sound the same. Absolutely but, not. But they do sort of carry the same elements. The, the band has checkboxes. They have a bag of tricks. Every band has a bag of tricks. And so I wasn't as impressed with this record as far as pulling out different tricks that we haven't seen in a while. But luckily, they had our back on this in 2015. Hammer of the Witches. So now you're getting confused, right? You're like, Cradle of Filth hasn't been a black metal band since whenever. Some people say they've never been one. Uh, but then this record actually sounds kind of black metal. K- kinda. But I mean, like, this is a focus more on... It, it, it's sort of like the band returning to the sound of their first, like, two or three albums. I don't necessarily think it's as good as those albums... But it's interesting hearing that, like hearing hearing them sort of embrace that old school sort of sort of mentality. And as far as I understand, too, this was the band sort of um, featuring new members, the new lineup. I mean, they they've been switching members for the longest time because it's a theater band, <laughs> you know. At this Absolutely. point, so, so it, it's hard to necessarily keep band members uh, whenever you're. I mean, if you've ever seen a Cradle of Filth live set, you know what I mean. It is not just show up and play. There's a lot of theatrics that go into a Cradle of Filth show. But um, this one, they they partially embrace their black metal roots or their extreme metal roots while still mixing in a little bit more of that modern heaviness, that modern chunk. And so I think that like some people that are only like the first three records... Uh, this is not the record for you, but if you've always been curious sort of about that sound that they had, uh, you might actually like this. The only thing that I, the only thing that I don't like is just a little bit too much melodic death metal riffing going on, um, <laughs> which is weird because I like melodic death metal, but like, come on guys, I know you can do more than that. So this is the point in the discography where I couldn't hold back and I had to mention how similar this band can sound to Chuck Schuldner and Death. And while I think that band is beyond the ballpark in melodic death metal, I do think it's interesting that Cradle of Filth can fit into that same category that really is untouchable in extreme metal. Do I think Cradle of Filth can play Death covers right now? Maybe. Do I think if they did that, Danny Filth would get away with it because he has that ear-piercing shriek? I think it would be better than what we want it to be. But there's pieces of what this band does, again, that just they just work, they fit. I don't know how they fit some of this stuff together, but I'm glad they did. And looking back, I wish I'd been listening to this band the whole time. 
maybe I would have had a different perspective on other extreme metal bands and not the grand compilation that is Cradle of Filth. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said Grand Conjuration. My bad. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they, you know, they, they did it again. They knocked it out of the park. They continue to innovate, even if they're only innovating within their own sound at this point. But, I mean, that's a good thing about Cradle of Filth is you're always going to get their original brand and their original experience. You know, you, you're never going to have to listen to the Cradle of Filth grunge album that they did, you know, or or, or the, the new metal album that they did or whenever Danny Filth decided to start rapping, one, you know, on, on a song. You, you're always getting what you signed up for with Cradle of Filth, but you have to be pretty messed up to sign up for this. 2017, Kryptonia. The seductress of decay. Of decay. Just like my voice is decaying as I've tried to sing along to Cradle of Filth a lot this week. So uh, I might sound a little bit raspier than normal. Is that why the ad read was so weak at the beginning? You know what, Joe? I don't like to lie to the listeners. We totally started to do this episode, which is what you heard at the very beginning. And Joe was like, dude, you're losing your voice. You need to go rest for for a little bit. Uh, so... Uh, so, so see if you can pick the point where I just suddenly sounded better. Or you're like, oh, Dan sounds horrible all the time. I listen just to hear Joe's voice. Uh, well, that is unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, okay. So this record, right? It's it's another it's another Cradle of Filth album. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be mean. I don't mean it as a bad thing because keep in mind whenever I say it's just another Cradle of Filth album, what I'm saying is we we liked the other albums a, a lot. So if I'm telling you that it sounds like that. I want you to know that that means that I think you should listen to it. I think what we do on this podcast is detrimental sometimes to a band that figures out what the pocket is and sticks with it. Cradle of Filth has been around since 1994. We are 13 albums in, and it's only recently that they start to sound samey. For a band that really doesn't sound like anybody else, when you hear Cradle of Filth, it's Cradle of Filth. That's something to be said, because you could have said every album sounds the same because it all sounds like mainstream black metal, but it doesn't. There's a vibe to this band. It keeps progressing and it changes in the right ways that it doesn't stop being interesting at this point. This is just the point in the discography and we're almost to the end where listening to all of it at once hurts. I don't know, dude. Maybe what we need to do is start splitting up these longer discographies into more than one week. That way we get the full experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to think that I think what we reach at, at this point is we reach what I like to call album listening exhaustion. Don't get me wrong. I take breaks. I listen to other bands and music in between when I'm listening to these records. Sometimes you need a palate cleanser. Sometimes you don't. But you may notice sort of a trend of we get to album 13 or 12 or 14 or unless we're listening to KMFDM, then there's never an end in sight. Um, <laughs> but you do sort of get an exhaustion of hearing the same sort of sounds. So I, I whenever I, whenever we say like, oh, this sounds like, you know, just sounds like another album by the band. If we, you have to look at the context of if we actually have said nothing but good things about the band up to this point, then it's not like a bad endorsement but with this record in particular just to say something about it specifically is that this is where i started to notice that the band is incorporating a lot of their old school sound into the modern sound 
so that they can more or less appeal to the old fans as well as the new fans. And maybe that's not why they're doing it that way. It could just be like, hey, I'm Danny Filth. I've been doing this for like a thousand years and I know how to write a good Cradle of Filth album. Uh, but I like I like that they are ticking all of their checkboxes. And um, I also really like that this record is um, a little bit more like extreme metal, like sc- almost Scandinavian sounding extreme metal. There, see, I didn't say black metal. And... Uh, <laughs> I like that it, it has more of a focus on melody, but like really chops it up with a lot of like just sort of blasty extreme moments. The band's always moving. There's always so many different pieces going on at the same time, and uh, they uh, they do they still do this better than any other band out there. Let's talk about 2021. It was a terrible year. Existential terror. Existence is futile. 2021. I have to admit, Cradle of Filth was not on the list of bands I expected to put out new music in the past two years. I don't know if they were sitting on this for a few years or if this was something that happened during 2021. But looking back on what everybody was going through at that time, I don't know if this is what I wanted. I don't know that I wanted that melodic black metal influenced epic sounding band but it's an interesting vibe compared to the other records that came out at that time in many ways for the extreme metal fan cradle of filth might be exactly what you wanted because they're the band that's going to deliver this far into the career and the discography of the band over 30 years we're not looking for consistency we're looking for the next story And it's still interesting. It still has that vibe. It's still what you're looking for when you want something extreme, melodic, and well-structured. It still sounds like that same symphonic band with a synthesizer that put out albums 30 years ago. Then the very modern-sounding guitars kick in. Oh, did I mention Pinhead was back on this record? Can we stop talking nonsense? No, we never will. We never will. Everybody's (laughs) favorite... Cinnabite Pinhead is back. Okay, he's not back as Pinhead, but you know what I mean. Like, it's they him. wouldn't let him come back as Pinhead. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. Anyway, this record, again, it's it's a Cradle of Filth album. It's the newest Cradle of Filth album. It's an hour and ten minutes long. Uh, it has fast, furious, black metal style guitars mixed with a bit of modern groove mixed with traditional heavy metal elements. Uh, There are keyboards, there is orchestration, there are uh, melodic, operatic female vocals. Danny Filth is still shouting as if it's still 1994, and he's alone in his basement, and he's telling you a story about the cool book that he checked out from the library that week. And you know what? I, I take great comfort in that. Like, I take great comfort in the fact that this many years later, this band is still delivering on the vision that they put out into the world. And that they've been successful for it and that they fill a niche that I don't think that really any other band fills. Nobody sounds like this band. If you're a fan of this band or you're a fan of this sound, then you're a fan of this band. I know that sounds like a really, really like basic statement, but what I'm saying is like, I'm a fan of In Flames, but I don't really like what In Flames puts out now. So, you know, I go and listen to the first couple of Avatar albums and I'm like, it's better in flames than in flames. And then I and then I and then I go I go and listen to um, I listen like the first couple of albums by. uh, Oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot the band's name. You know, that's funny or leave that in. Anyway, uh, the uh, 
what 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 I am what I'm getting at is that like sometimes you can find a sound. This is kind of the experience of being a metalhead, right? You find a specific sound that you like. Most people, it was Metallica, right? And Hell then yes. You, you, but then you hear Megadeth, and you're like, you know, I kind of like the riffs of Megadeth like a little bit more. But like, I wish it was a little heavier. And you get into Slayer, and it, like this evolution. There's nothing really comparable to that with Cradle of Filth. If you hear Cradle of Filth and you like it, the only other band that's going to make you feel the same way that Cradle of Filth makes you feel is Cradle of Filth. And you should thank your lucky stars that this many years later, they can still make you feel that way on their newest release. Is that your final thought, Dan? I guess it is. I keep doing that lately. I'm like just talking and then I'm like, you know, that was actually a pretty good definitive statement. Let's just stick with it. What a surprise this band was for me. We gave Cradle of Filth the time of day years ago, but clearly we didn't give them enough time of day. There's something to be said for a band that takes extreme metal and turns it into something pleasant, despite how unpleasant the vocals may be at times, despite how unpleasant the production can be at times. The band is very consistent, and they have this vibe that is truly unique to them. Do I think they're the best symphonic metal band? Absolutely not. Do I think they're the most extreme black metal band? Absolutely not. Do I think that they will redefine all things death metal? No. What I think the band does well is they create an entertaining experience that has enough of the concept for people that love concept records with long stories. They have the theatrics and they're just heavy enough that everybody can get into this band. And we didn't really talk about how dark some of these concepts are. We mentioned a few, but the band really does have that vision in mind. And there's nothing about that vision that should really stop you from listening to this band. Like you said at the very beginning, I don't know if Danny Filth is 100% serious about this, but if he is, that's fine. For me, these are just really good metal albums, and I want everybody to give Cradle of Filth the shot they deserved. Don't listen to the tastemakers that shoved this band down your throat 20 years ago. No, only listen to me. Damn, what's your album of the week? My album of the week has been a bit of a palate cleanser. Um, I mean, it's still, you know, very extreme metal. But it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, Venom Prison, Erebus. I uh, love that record. I finally bought, uh, finally bought a physical copy of it on, uh, on CD. That's right. Yeah, I finally picked up a physical copy of that on CD. I also bought a whole bunch of Cradle of Filth albums because, you know, I, I guess I'm a fan of that band now. So, like, I bought... I bought I bought Manticore. I bought Existence is, is Futile. I bought Thornography for, for some reason. Uh, but I was really disappointed that they did not have a copy of Midian for me to buy. So I'm going to have to go to the underground cult store known as Amazon.com and order myself a copy. For me, it's Unsus Americanus by Author and Punisher. Nice. I know a certain member of royalty that would very much approve of that choice. Stay tuned to Discuss Metal Live. Make sure you are signing up for Patreon so you can be part of that hangout where we give all the reasons I've been listening to Author and Punisher this week. Not just the strange, paced, robotic-sounding industrial dissonance that that man creates, all by himself, 
live on stage every single night. And there's no time like now. Take us out, DFT. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Discography Discussion. If this is your first episode, check out some of the other episodes we have. We have almost 300 of them. So make sure you guys are checking those out. Make sure you subscribe, like, comment, leave us reviews. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can find us on Twitter at Discuss Metal and on Instagram at Discuss Metal. You can always find us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. I have heard that we have some sweet perks, which we talked about in this episode. We will see you guys again next week. And if you want to hang out with us before that, check out our discord server there's a link in the show notes or is it what is it now joe is it like discord.discussmetal.com or something like that that would be the short link and it works every time we'll see you there ask us lots of questions bring your memes and your recommendations and on that note this has been episode 277 of discography discussion thank you for listening You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podchaser. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. It's like a like a sock full of quarters. One dollar a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. Right now.